another outside the box, bringing the false past up to the true present. Today's topic is historical myths. All of us have been taught so-called factual history that we now know are myths, as phony as a $3 bill. Columbus discovered America? Ha! That's nonsense. But there is plenty of other false history that we don't always know about. Here are a few examples. Abraham Lincoln fought the Civil War to end slavery? Nope. Lincoln wanted to save the Union, the United States, after ten states seceded. Lincoln did declare all slaves in these states to be, to be free on January 1, 1863, almost two years after the war began. But there was no emancipation for several other states that had not seceded but maintained slavery. Slavery in those states didn't end until the 13th Amendment was passed in December 1865. We think of French Emperor Napoleon as really short, but Napoleon wasn't. At 5 feet 7 inches tall, Napoleon was about average in height for the time. Because Britain and France measured heights differently, what was actually 5'7 sounded like 5 feet 2 inches to the Brits. Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 to demonstrate that the earth was not flat. Uh-uh. The Greeks knew the, knew the earth was relatively round 1,800 years earlier. There were plenty of navigational indicators to prove it, like the sun coming up on the horizon and the position of stars. Columbus did land on several Caribbean islands, but never set foot in North America. How about the Queen of France, Marie Antoinette, saying, Let them eat cake to poor French mothers just before the French Revolution in 1789? Not possible. The saying came from French writer Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who wrote it in 1766, talking about a famous princess, not Marie. How many supposed witches were burned at the stake at the witch trials in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692? None. Nineteen people were hanged, and one was crushed to death. And there is no evidence of any of them practicing witchcraft either. Were some immigrant names changed by U.S. officials to sound more American when they arrived at Ellis Island? I thought this might be true of my father, and I've often told that to others, because my dad's name changed after leaving Lithuania to come to the U.S. But that's very unlikely. Immigration officials simply checked off names and personal information from what they were given by the shipping companies that transported the immigrants. My dad actually came through Montreal and never landed at Ellis Island, but I expect my dad's name change came without any help from immigration officials. The U.S. declared its independence on the 4th of July, 1776. Well, not really. A unanimous resolution declaring independence was passed by the Continental Congress on July 2nd, 1776. 
the Declaration of Independence was signed on August 2nd, 1776. The only thing that happened on July 4th is that the wording of the Declaration, primarily written by Thomas Jefferson, was agreed to by Congress attendees. The true tragedy of the genocide of indigenous people by European colonists in the Americas is more known today, but the Thanksgiving story continues to play up how the two came together in friendship for a sumptuous meal. But that's a somewhat bogus story, too. Date? Probably September or October. Deer, venison, was the main course, with turkey, geese, and ducks as side dishes. The Wampanoags, who attended, felt sorry for the Europeans for their lack of survival skills. Relationships between indigenous people and colonists were tense even then, and, of course, soon turned into the genocide of native people. Giving thanks is a good thing, but the context in which we celebrate it is not. It's a day of mourning for many. Paul Revere did make a ride in 1777 to warn colonists of British soldiers approaching, but Revere's claim to fame is because Revere's name alone was in a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Revere was one of about 40 who rode on April 18th. Revere's ride is overshadowed by four others whose rides were longer and more difficult. One was 16-year-old Sybil Luddington, riding 40 miles overnight from upstate New York to Connecticut, and Israel Bissell, who rode from Watertown, Massachusetts to Hartford, Connecticut. Here's part of a poem by Clay Perry, Remembering Bissell. Listen, my children, to my epistle of the long, long ride of Israel Bissell who outrode Paul by miles and time, but didn't rate a poet's rhyme. And I would argue that it's a myth that history is factual. Historical truth is somewhat subjective by its very nature, because it never tells a complete story. Usually it's the story from the winner's point of view, or from the people in power, or from those who do the writing. Can we believe anything we read in a history book now? I'm not so sure. When you think of bogus history, what comes to mind? I'm Larry Danzinger, questioning just about every historical fact <clears throat> as only part of the story.